Hello and welcome to Citizen Dame, the podcast where we are so excited. Spooky movie season continues. It's almost over, but Halloween is upon us. I'm Karen Peterson, joined by Lauren Humphreys Brooks. Hello. 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 How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. It is very spooky. Actually, I'm I'm still upstate. It is quite spooky out right now. The wind is blowing all of the dead leaves around. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. I uh I woke up this morning. It's all overcast. It looks a little creepy here in the suburbs of California, too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Anything exciting happening in your world this week? Uh not particularly. I'm heading back to New York City tomorrow. So I'm looking kind of looking forward to that. But it's been it's been nice to be out in the countryside for a bit. My nice. dog's going around murdering squirrels, which is <laughs> something i'd never experienced before but apparently is a thing that dogs do so <laughs> yeah occasionally they they do like to get them squirrels <laughs> some of them uh, just like to play with them though yeah I, I think it depends on the dog and maybe it depends on the squirrel too maybe they're just some squirrels that are like little fuckers and there's yeah. the dogs like fuck you bro yeah like some squirrels are just assholes some <laughs> dogs are assholes too but. True. <laughs> oh well before we get into our main topic today um our flag means death season two has reached its end and i don't know about you but i'm not okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm okay i'm much I'm okay. more okay i like i like how it ended i just need many more episodes <laughs> <laughs> i i am i am more okay than i was with the last with the end of the last season and yeah so this was a very emotional season the emotions just came fast and furious and i felt things for characters i i didn't realize i would feel and then then other things happened and i was like oh my god but yes i I think it was a good season i really enjoyed it it definitely like it it broke my brain in a in a very good way yeah you know it's funny because i i didn't like the release schedule I didn't like this doing mm-hmm. three episodes and then two, two and one um, because it really did make it feel so short, especially because this is a half hour series. Um, and I still don't entirely understand why they did it that way, considering that the strike is still going on and they don't have other like it's not like they had to rush to get to the next release, you know. So I don't really understand why they released it that way. And I would have liked to have gotten to savor it more. Um so that made it feel really fast. But when you look at what went on this season and what happens over those eight episodes, I think that it actually was really, it was a good number of episodes and the storyline progressed at a good pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as I would personally love more time with these characters, I, I think that what they did with the story this season was was really good. And 
I do still hope they get that third season that David Jenkins has mapped out. But if they don't, if it had been canceled after season one, I would have been devastated. Being canceled after season two, I'm like, okay, that's sad. But also I'm okay with that because it ends at a place that I'm okay with this being the ending. Yeah, yeah. It feels like if they if they don't get a third season, I would love to see them resolve a few more things. But if they don't get a third season, I I will not be distraught mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and yes i agree with you the if it had ended after the first season i would have been like no i'm going to die i'm actually just i'm gonna pass out and die <laughs> um yeah. but yes there there were a lot of things i do have to say because like i i i what right when they were like showing some of the early images and like you know it was finally getting to the point it's like oh it's actually gonna get released yeah we actually get to see this season i was just like you better be really gay like because because this this had better be like the gayest season on television because there is no guarantee you're going to get the third season. So don't pull punches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, just go for it. <laughs> and then I was like, oh my God, they actually, this is the gayest season on television. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty gay, like I gotta it's, say. Yeah, it's the gayest show that's ever been on TV. <laughs> and that is a good thing. In so many different ways. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I loved it so much. It just yeah, it made me so happy. And that finale is great. And if anybody still hasn't hasn't watched the show, get Max, watch it like you can. Both seasons are short enough that you could just pay for one month, watch it all and then cancel if you don't like other stuff that's on Max and don't mm-hmm. want to keep it. And that's OK. Shakita, um, Shakita messaged me that she finally watched season one. And she loved it. And now she agrees with me that Taika is hot. (laughs) (laughs) He is, you know, like he is, he is an attractive man, but I definitely like as Viper, just like, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 And then also my feelings about Reese Darby are just continuing to be so confused. Very complicated. I'm so upset. Like (laughs) just mad. I'm mad all the time now. (laughs) Yeah. He's hell, man. Yeah, he's not someone I ever considered attractive. And and not even in the first season. It wasn't until the second season that it was just like, what happened? The first season, he's got like the little curly hair. He's like, he's like a little golden retriever puppy. And then in the second (laughs) season, he's like a slightly older golden retriever that mysteriously became hot and gets increasingly hot (laughs) as the show goes on. And it's like, wow, bro. Like this... (laughs) I guess that's what happens when you just finally live your truth. You stop pretending to be straight and you're just like, you know what? I I am. I'm hot for Blackbeard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Our flag means death. Seasons one and two are on Max. Go check it out. Um, yeah. All right. So this for our final spooky movie month episode for this this year. We will do this again next year. Um, but for our final one this month, uh, we wanted to talk about haunted houses, but a little bit different from the conversation we had last week where we talked about gothic horror and discussed, you know, movies that sometimes you're not quite sure if the ghosts are real or if they're in your brain. Sometimes it doesn't matter. Ghosts are ghosts. But uh, in the, this group of movies that we're talking about today, the ghosts are very definitely literal and real, and um, and the hauntings are very uh, very centered on specific 
places and people. And um, I'm personally pretty excited for this conversation today. The three movies that we're talking about are are a lot of fun. So um, let's see. When we talk about haunted houses versus gothic horror, like what we discussed last week, Lauren, what would you say are some of the differences? Well, I mean, I think that there's an overlap and we can make the argument that like Crimson Peak is is also a haunted house movie, which it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Same with so, the others being yeah. also a gothic horror. Yeah. And I do think you make a good point about that, that ten, in like a, in the, the movies that we're talking about, there is no tension about whether or not the ghosts are real. Um, the These ghosts are real in, mm-hmm. in the haunted house movies that we're talking about. I, there are other haunted house movies where you get more of that tension. The Haunting is a good example. Um, the original film where there's a some of a question about whether how real the ghosts are, whether the ghosts are projections of the emotions of the characters. Um, but I think that one of the the major things is that in a in a proper haunted house movie, the ghosts are real. The ghosts come from somewhere that is not purely psychological. It is not purely um, from the characters. I think the other the other element is that haunted houses, as these films prove, we have a particular vision of a haunted house, you know, the old mansion, um, the, uh, the the rural estate, things like that. And these films, uh, haunted houses are not necessarily the rural estate, right? Um, so in the second film we're going to talk about, you're talking literally about suburbia. Um, mm-hmm. I think that as with, as with Gothic horror, this is about haunted houses are about repression, but it's a different kind of repression um very often the the stories are about the main characters working through grief and trauma and the ghosts not as being so much manifestations of that grief for them but of being almost like therapeutic elements <laughs> like the haunting itself is becoming this this like therapy for the characters um as a way of like helping the ghosts to kind of achieve their rest or their resting place, uh, the characters are actually working through some of the other things that they have repressed. And so I think that there's a lot of overlap when it comes to gothic horror. Gothic horror doesn't necessarily have to feature ghosts in any sense, even though in the ones that we talk about definitely do, but haunting films definitely have to have real ghosts, real poltergeists, real supernatural forces that are acting on particularly on specific locations and specific people families usually yeah yeah and the movies that we're going to be talking about today and a lot of the films that i think of in the haunted house genre are movies where um there's a difference between the ghosts and like a demon so paranormal activity those movies those are demonic entities that are kind of invading these people's lives which also has a totally different type of of um story to it different elements to it that that's a, that even make a distinction there so like usually haunted houses um like the ghosts aren't trying to necessarily har- they may accidentally harm people or through their mm-hmm. actions harm the people that are, are in the house but they're not out to get you necessarily they're just out to like 
connect, make contact for various reasons. Whereas there's also yep. these demonic movies where, no, they just want to hurt you and scare the shit out of you or kill you, make you one of them, whatever. So yeah. P- possess you come into, mm-hmm. come into the real world in order to wreak havoc, stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Very often in haunted house movies, the ghosts are represented as being lost in some way Yeah, that they, and, and it is that very classical view of ghosts of, Ghosts being, you know, the remnants of people, of emotions, things like that, that can't quite cross over, you know, into into whatever the afterlife is that like remain behind. Um, mm-hmm. And very often those remnants aren't aren't necessarily associated with the people that are experiencing the haunting. So it's it's a deeper past at some level. Right. It isn't like something that the people themselves have repressed. It's something that has been repressed and that has left behind this ugliness or this anger or sorrow or whatever um, that then, you know, has to be put to rest at some point. Yeah. So let's talk about the the movies that we're going to talk about today are The Changeling from 1980, Poltergeist from 1982, and then The Others from 2001, which just got a Criterion release. Um, So let's start with The Changeling, which... um, it stars George C. Scott as this very recent widower. Um, in the beginning of the movie, he loses his wife and daughter in a tragic accident. And um, he relocates. He decides to, he needs a change of scenery. So he relocates to Seattle and ends up renting a, a historical house from the Historical Preservation Society. And um, it comes with a ghost. So, uh, Lauren, um, what are some things that, that you really like about the changeling? Uh, there, there are a lot of things I like about the changeling. I like, I like this whole concept of like, and you pointed this out in the Slack of like renting a house from historical society (laughs) and being like, and the reason why he rents this massive house, right. Is supposedly he's a composer, right? Mm -hmm. So he needs a lot of space. He needs like um a a place to really work etc but it's interesting because he's this single man right in the midst of this massive house yeah um and and he's you know and at that level he brings his own ghosts with him to a certain degree he uh he's bringing his grief and his anger and i i think that one of the things that um that the film really does. This is why what I was saying about the ghosts being therapeutic in in uh, some haunting films is that the, that's particularly true here. I think that one of the reasons why the ghost in the Changeling actually connects to this man is because about the shared trauma, the shared grief, and it's finding a way into him not out of uh, anger at him or a desire to hurt him but a desire to find expression of their own experience. Um, and, and he's like very receptive to it. Uh, and that's sort of what, you know, produces all this. I, I think the film is like a, it's a really beautiful film about being about a haunted house. It isn't, it's got scary moments and um, like frightening scenes and things like this. And you do, there are definitely moments where I was just like, okay, no, you don't open the boarded up door. Yeah. Why never would do you that. do that? <laughs> never. <laughs> I've seen it under these films. You don't do that. <laughs> um, but, but it is that I, I think that it makes sense also in terms of his character, because this is the seeking out of like, 
there is a secret here. There is a grief and a pain here that needs to be exposed and resolved. And it's, it's a way of him also exposing and resolving his own pain. Um, and I, I think that the film manage all, manages all of that really well. And, and I like the fact that it makes the ghost very sympathetic while also maintaining that fear of, of the afterlife of this entity that is haunting this house and what it actually wants and who it actually wants. Yeah. I think one of the things that makes the changeling such an interesting movie too, is that like, um, and I know that there are probably examples I can't think of, but uh, when I think about haunted house movies, usually the, the characters that are, that are experiencing the haunting um, it's, it's usually women, children. If there's a man there, he's there with his family and the changeling is different because this is mm-hmm. a widower, a single man living alone who's experiencing this and, and having to kind of figure out what's going on. He doesn't jump right to, Oh my gosh, my house is haunted. <laughs> it takes a little bit of, and some clues before he gets there. But, um, but it's just such an interesting, um, interesting, uh, setup that you don't see often in this type of movie. Yeah, it, that's a, that's a really good point. And and in this case, the um the ghost is a child, right? Mm-hmm. And so you still have that child that childlike aspect. This this child who doesn't, in a certain sense, knows what has happened to him, but also doesn't doesn't understand why, right? And it's very tragic at that level. And one of the things that um. I, I really like about it is the fact that this solving of who the ghost is, what the ghost is takes place pretty early in the film. Yeah. Like comparatively this, the seance, the major, the, the scene with the seance where they like actually, you know, have automatic writing and all of those things where they're making contact with the ghost. That is sort of the inciting incident. <laughs> like it, it, that's what gets everything moving. And a lot of the film is very much about, um, uh, John and and I think it's Claire uh, who like be- who works for the historical society and begins to kind of develop feelings for him and work with him to figure out why this ghost is not at rest, right? Mm-hmm. What happened exactly? And um, and there's this whole pursuit of like finding his body and finding you know finding some way again to kind of bring all of this repression up that's that's why i think the the therapy idea is is an interesting one because it, it's bringing all of this repression up and saying like we have to look at this we have to talk about it and we have to resolve it because otherwise it's just going to fester and grow uglier and uglier um yeah. and and it's it's a it's a really interesting film for that that it goes in directions that a lot of haunting films don't yeah and, it, yeah sorry no, go on. I was going to say, yeah, in some ways it kind of takes on the characteristics of like a detective story too. Um, yeah. You know, these two people that are trying to solve a cold case and, and, but I also think that part of the, part of why the story um, works the way that it does is because of the fact that the central protagonist is a man. Because mm-hmm. like when Claire is helping him and, you know, then they, tell her she can't work at the historical society anymore and stuff and like she's getting dismissed and when he's able to uncover things people listen to him a little bit more um especially by the end like he because and i don't know that it's necessarily like because he's a man versus a woman but that certainly to me and this was by the way my first time actually watching this 
Um, but to me watching it, that's kind of one of the takeaways I had was like, yeah, people are more willing to listen to him and hear him out because this is a man talking and not just like a hysterical woman. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, there's there's a lot less there's a lot less questioning of like his experiences than mm-hmm. than we see in a lot of films where come where women are the central characters of like, oh, no, it was actually the wind, you know, it was the old house creaking, all of those things. And yeah, you're imagining it. Yeah. And there's, there's a little bit of that, I think, because because there are a few scenes where like there's a question of like, is this him projecting his grief? Right. right. He's he's alone. Right. He's alone in this big house and he's just lost his wife and child. And now, you know, is this just kind of a, a grief response? Um, and, and of course it, it isn't, but yeah, you're right. He, he's believed and he's a lot, he's very strong in his belief. Like when he, when he goes like, there's a ghost in this house, mm-hmm. he's very much like, there's definitely a ghost. This is not something I'm making up. Right. It's, it's that kind of rationality that we tend to associate with male characters and the films definitely kind of emphasize about male characters that when men experience it, it's a, it's real. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, do like, I don't know how far you want to go in talking about the resolution of this. Well, I mean, I think that we warn people that this is a, this, that we're going to spoil things. Yeah. All the movies we're talking about are 20 plus years old. So if you haven't yeah. watched it yet, you should, but, uh, <laughs> so I skip ahead a little bit. If you don't want to, don't want to hear about the, the end of, of the changeling, um, I one of the things that I quite like about this is that you know we find we find out what happened to the boy very fairly early on like I said mm-hmm. um and then the question begins to develop okay where is his body and also why why did this happen to him right um and it's such a simple explanation in a lot of ways and yet so tragic at the same time uh and and I I like the way that the film like again, that the final confrontation between um, George C. Scott uh, between John and the senator at the end, mm-hmm. um, where it it is again this kind of like you have to face this, you have to face this reality of who your father actually was and what he did, right? And um, and and it is that again that bringing up of this repression, and and actually all three of the films here are about this bringing up of repression. Like you cannot hide and bury these things under the earth they're going to come out mm-hmm. um and they're going to come out in increasingly angry and violent and dark ways if we continue to simply press them down and that's essentially what happens at the end of the film it, it's been repressed for so long and denied for so long that finally it just completely erupts yeah that's just it like like for this this the spirit of this child who's been trying to make contact presumably for decades it's like now that he's finally broken through and he has someone who's who's trying to listen and trying to help like there's this increasing frantic like this needs to get resolved we're so close we're so close and um yeah if if uh if john had just said okay well i did as much as i could i'm done then like there there would have been something catastrophic that this child spirit would have done um presumably i don't think he would have just been locked away in that attic again you know and um it's it's uh it's interesting because i kept trying to figure out what the title refer 
referenced before I watched mm-hmm. the movie. And then when you when you find out like, oh, OK, this child was murdered when he was little. And um, then I'm still trying to figure out like, OK, but what does that have to do with cha- like, is he trying to like I, I I just didn't know. And so it's like when you find out what happened and that that he was murdered by his father because he was sickly and and uh, not going to grow up to be like a, you know, presumably like a normal person i guess um i yeah i think that the the implication is that the that he was likely to die young yeah or you know, it, it's kind of that open question and or that disabled the father, or yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that the father essentially like for money basically murders him yeah and and find someone to take his place right and to swap him out and uh which is just so horrible to think about so evil. <laughs> yeah and well and that's the thing too and that's i think one of the reasons why john george c scott's character why he connects so much with this is because he would give anything to have his daughter back in any condition like he wants yeah. his child back he loved her he was a good dad and to see someone who could just throw their own child away like that it just really is is something that just ended up kind of giving him this purpose of like i will find justice for you you know and even though at mm-hmm. this point it's been so long and and the parties are dead you know you can't really have justice but you can at least let the truth come out and let this child's story be known and that that ultimately ends up being kind of what happens but yeah like people having to face the past uh having to to deal with it having to acknowledge it before you can really move forward is ultimately what this movie is about and i think it's really well done it's it's a good it's a good movie and it's it is creepy but it's not like it's not overwhelmingly scary because it's just this really good story yeah it it builds everything really well and and those those elements and that's something else you also get in, in a lot of haunting films those elements of the ghosts at the start of everything, the ghost kind of moving things around a little bit, you know, try throwing a ball, try making a noise, trying to get people to pay attention to them. And then the more someone listens to them and experiences it, the stronger they become. Mm-hmm. And, and so like you, you, you said earlier, this, this boy's spirit trying to break through and he, and that's exactly what happens. He breaks through, he finds someone who can not only hear him, but can listen to him. And and then he becomes stronger and stronger and his presence becomes stronger and stronger. And until finally you get like, you know, all, all of all of the different permutations of it. And, and he becomes so strong, that like all of the sorrow and the rage just kind of finally comes out. Um, it's very much a, a primal scream of an ending, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts? It's a wonderful film. I, I I've seen the changeling a couple of times now, and I actually think it's improved for me on rewatch because the first time I saw it, I didn't quite know what to expect out of it. And it was going to places. I was like, I did. This wasn't what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and then knowing that again, and then going back and watching it, I think it's, it improves even more because you kind of see more of what the film is, is up to. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I'm so glad I watched it. I'm so glad you picked that one for this week. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was one of those that was like, I've been intending to watch this for a long time. It's been on my list. I just hadn't done it. So it was good to finally scratch that off. 
fix that blind spot. And it's, so, it's available on Peacock, I believe. It is, yes. <laughs> um, the next film that we're going to talk about is one of my all-time favorites, and that is Poltergeist from 1982. And uh, this was the first scary movie that I ever saw. Um, I was five. My aunts convinced my mom that it was just this really fun movie in the suburbs. God, that's not okay. No. And this movie traumatized me forever and ever and ever. And we were when we were talking about doing this topic this week, I said, let's do poltergeist. And we both were like, are we sure we haven't talked about this before? And I know it's because I've referenced it. I've I've brought it up so many times, but we've never really broken mm-hmm. it down and like done an actual like kind of conversation deep dive into it. So that's what we're gonna do now. Uh, for anybody who hasn't seen Poltergeist, I don't know why, um, but you should. <laughs> and uh, it's always available streaming somewhere. I don't remember where it's at right now, but it, it's on Max. It's on Max. It's on right Max. Now. Okay. Yeah. Um, I own it, so I I was yeah. So I was just watching my own. But um, so this is a movie set in the suburbs, because guess what? Haunted houses are in the suburbs, too. They're not just creepy old mansions. And this is smack dab in the middle of a neighborhood, a planned community uh, in Southern California. And you have a family and you have Steve and Diane and their three kids, uh, teenager Dana and then Robbie, who's like nine or so. And then Carol Ann, who's just five. And she gets stolen by the house. They kidnap her. <laughs> the TV people kidnap her. There's a lot, obviously, to it. But um, but basically, that's what happens. She she gets sucked into, like, another dimension that there's an entrance to that somewhere in their house. And um, so they're trying to get their daughter back. And they use some different means to try to do that. Um, I... I love Poltergeist because of the fact that I saw it so young and it scared me so much that I've spent many years like watching this movie, um, trying to get past my fear. There are still scenes in this movie that I cannot watch. I've never watched the part with the clown under the bed ever. <laughs> <laughs> like I know what happens. I've seen just enough of that to know how that goes, but I cannot just watch that scene. And so I've spent a lot of time just trying to like really break it down and like make myself less scared of, of certain parts of it. <laughs> and um, it's definitely a movie that in general doesn't scare me anymore, but uh, there are those, just those moments. But I also just think it's such a good story like this because of how many times I've watched it, it's something that I've spent a lot of time with and I've really thought a lot about. And the story is just, it's its really good. And it really di- dives into, you know, what are ghosts? Why are they here? What do they need? And they're, in this case, they connect to Carol Ann, this little girl, because she can see them she's young enough that she can acknowledge them and she wants Mm -hmm. to talk to them and they're drawn to her they're drawn to her her life her enthusiasm her spirit and um i just i think it's such a great story it's a you know it gets into like how far parents will go for their children it gets into just that like there's so much creepiness of this house like there's there's it it really does capture so many elements that make the haunted house story really come alive. 
Yeah, I, I I absolutely agree with you. I mean, this is it's such a classic film, and it it highlights. You're talking about the clown scene, right? It highlights yeah. the um, the fears of childhood, right? So the the portal to the other world is in their closet. Mm-hmm. Um, the the you know the use of the clown, the use of the tree reaching through the window, uh, all of those things, and 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 it's mentioned at one point. You know, don't give it any more power. It knows what scares you. Yeah. And so there's that element that runs through the film and that runs through a lot of haunting films of like the entity or whatever it is n- having some knowledge of how to frighten the people involved. It isn't it's it isn't just about, you know, like trying to move things around and trying to make contact, but actually like it's going to use your fears mm-hmm. to um to to capture you and so like even very early on there's this whole talk about they're digging up the swimming pool right and the mother is talking about um how well what if what if carol ann sleepwalks and she falls in and drowns or or you know hits her head all of these things it's all of those things of like what are the things that frighten children the most what are the things that frighten parents the most and that's what the entity that that is kind of running everything is is using yeah. Um, and it does it explicitly. Like it isn't an undercurrent in the film. They literally say, like, it knows, it understands what you're <laughs> frightened of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. So you've got two, you've got two forces at work here in in mm-hmm. this house. So you've got these spirits, which we later in the movie discover that there used to be a cemetery here, and the company, the real estate company, or not the real estate, but the construction company moved the headstones you know relocated it a couple miles down the road but they did not move the bodies so this family is living on top of an actual cemetery and um that they've been digging up for a swimming pool that's right. the other thing the, like yeah. the, like because th- because within of the first 10 minutes of the film you've got this this bulldozer right just literally digging the ground up and you're mm-hmm. like yep yeah, you get it. You're going to get ghosts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that's happening. And um, so so basically you've got these spirits of these people who are not at rest for various reasons, including the fact that there's a house built on top of their resting place um, and a swimming pool being dug. But then these spirits are stuck. They haven't crossed over. And there's another entity, which we learn is basically the beast um that is stopping them from crossing over and so that's where so you've got these spirits that are like making contact that are drawn to carol ann and then you've got this this evil entity that is trying to make sure that anybody who comes into that house is too scared to do anything about it Mm -hmm. and um I, i i think that that um that makes this such an interesting story too, because it's like, usually it's one or the other. It's like, you've got one or two ghosts or you've got this evil demon. This actually kind of uses both ideas together in a way that really makes sense. And it works and it adds to some really creepy stuff, but also some beautiful scenes too. Like there's this late night scene where uh, they've brought in some paranormal investigators to document what's happening in the house and there's this moment where the child the children's bedroom door where all the activity is centered it opens and they 
they can see this light passing through and it's very calm. There's like kind of, you know, it's a little bit spooky music, but it's this like kind of peaceful music too. And when they play it back, they can actually see these spirits just kind of walk, like going for a walk, I guess, basically through their house. And it's not creepy. It's, it's this like, I mean, it's, it's spooky cause it's, it's ghosts, but it's not a scary moment. It's, mm-hmm. it's more of just like, wow, this is, this is like amazing and beautiful to, to see this happening. And these people are real. They're there. Yeah. I, I like the fact that the, the story isn't about the ghosts being evil, but about this, this other entity that is imprisoning them and not letting them go. Mm -hmm. Um, And then is also imprisoning um, Carol Ann. Yeah. That, that scene in particular is great because it, it really there are there are a couple of scenes in this film that really evokes that kind of beauty and terror of this whole concept of the afterlife of the other world that ghosts dwell in and how frightening it is right because death is frightening and being stuck in a space like that is frightening but also how beautiful it is at the same time that um you know there's a couple of characters actually talk about how there, you know, death is not the end. Basically, mm-hmm. death is like a a change to a new plane of existence. And what is tragic for the ghost, these particular ghosts, is that they're being stopped um, from going on into a different, into like the next plane of their existence. They're they're trapped. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's it's really it's really well done and very simple in a lot of ways. Like the 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 special effects in this film are excellent, but they're they don't overdo them. There isn't this like, you know, they they don't are like look at all of the different things that we can do with special effects. Mm-hmm. It's more like we're going to be very careful and very much keep in, in tone with the rest of the film. Uh it doesn't ever become so crazy that it just becomes comical or like easily easy to be dismissed or anything like that it really feels like you're you're watching this other world sort of push through to ours yeah even in the end when everything is just getting really chaotic increasingly increasingly Mm -hmm. terrifying and the coffins are literally you know forcing their way up out of the ground and um and uh when the house collapses in on itself and everything there's still something that doesn't feel over the top about that. Like it gets crazy and it's weird to look at. And there's a lot of, there's so much happening, but it, it, it feels like, yeah, this is the end result of everything that's been happening once they have gotten Carolyn back, but they, you know, the family want got her back, but the ghosts need her. They've, they've been relying on her for who knows how long this has been going on. Definitely weeks, if not months. And, um, and so it kind of captures that that desperation in a way that feels like it's scary, but it's not ridiculous. Yeah, it, it very much matches the tone of the rest of the film and the, the way that the film escalates. I, I was actually surprised in watching it this time. I realized again, I've seen this film a number of times. I realized again how quickly everything escalates. Like. Yeah. It goes from, you know, there there isn't a lot of, you know, just moving stuff around. It goes from, you know, oh, the chairs are sliding around to our daughter has been kidnapped by ghosts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's it goes from one extreme to the other. You know, the tree smashes through the window. Right. Yeah. Um, and and so I I think that because the film kind of escalates quickly, but then 
also levels off. So you get that sort of initial shock. And then we get all kind of these explanations of what is actually going on and different things happening to different people in the house. Um, that by the time you get to this ending where nothing, that's that's the thing with the ending, nothing has been put to rest. Like they've gotten Caroline out, but you're just like, okay, there's still shit down there. Like you haven't dealt with the fact that your house is built on top of a bunch of dead bodies that have been unacknowledged. Right. Yeah. Um, that suburbia is literally built on a graveyard. Right. And and it's like, okay, they're not gonna stay dead. They're not going to remain at rest just because you got your daughter back. They're just like, no, we have more things to say, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I, I think that that escalation at the very end, it doesn't feel ridiculous because you've seen so much of what comes before. Right. And the film really presents its argument in, in a very precise and very clear way. Yeah. Um, Tangina. <laughs> I love Tangina. And I think this is one of the things that makes Poltergeist work so well for me and why it's so incredibly rewatchable is because as much as there's this serious stuff happening, this family is just trying to get their little girl back. Um, and it's so sad that she's been kidnapped. Uh, there are these moments of humor throughout, like before things really go down. And then even while, while this is happening, while they're held captive, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just all these moments where, where it, it can be really funny and there's stuff to laugh at. And um, like I, so I've had haunted house experiences. People can, take from that what they will um but i've had experiences where you just kind of roll with things so when when uh tangina comes and she's walking through the house and and they're you know having conversations with her and there's just little moments of funny things that happen or even before that when the when dr lesh and the boys get there and um you know just these these comments because they've learned to live with this they're just so they've gotten so mm-hmm. used to what's happening and of course they're not going to leave while their daughter's still somewhere in that house you know and it just it's funny because the experiences that i've had with the places i've lived in suburbia by the way uh not in creepy old mansions um but yeah it's like you get to a point where you just kind of live with the weirdness and you're just like <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, what are you going to do? It's funny. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's a little scene. It's nearing the end of the film. I think it's when um, the father, the dad's boss comes to see them to be like, what's happening? You know, <laughs> and the, and the piano in the background, like moves, uh-huh. and starts moving across the, the floor and the father notices and the, the boss doesn't. But it's it is one of those things just like, yep, that'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, just, it's just the ghost. It's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so we're not worried about that. We're more concerned about the portal to hell in our, our children's bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Well, when the investigators get there, too, and they're walking through and they take them up to the to the bedroom and one of the guys is telling the story about oh yeah I, you know there was this house in Redlands which is actually really close to where I work. Um, and there's a lot of creepy houses in Redlands. But anyway, um, and he's like, yeah, and I, I documented a car moving across the room. It's on time lapse. It took seven hours. And Stephen's just go- there going, oh, seven hours for what? For it to complete the distance. Like, oh, okay. And then he opens the door. And 
every toy in that room is like living its own life and, <laughs> yeah. and the clown is on the bed laughing its ass off and and they're all just like wait that is very different than what we expected <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so funny the way that it's done it's like steven doesn't have to tell them oh you haven't seen anything yet he's just like okay yeah sure <laughs> here you go <laughs> So this is my children's room. This is where we keep the the ghosts. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the ghost room now. Let's face it. But um, but Tangina, sorry, I yeah. started to talk about her and then I got distracted. But um, I think she's such a such a wonderful character because she's funny. She's um, kind of unassuming, but she's she's uh, very connected to this world and she's able to to give them the answers. Um, but. But there's also, like, even when you find out some of the things that she didn't tell them, there's always this feeling that she's holding stuff back. And it's like, it's such a great performance from Zelda Rubenstein, um, who just, I, I always liked her as an actress. She was a lot of fun. But I think she was so perfect for this role because she kind of has this um, sort of childlike quality to her, too. Not just because she's short and and her voice, but... Um, she's she kind of she has this knowledge and and all of this experience and yet there's there's this sort of like um childlike joy i guess for life and for this mm -hmm. this that that she really brings through what are your thoughts on tangina i i like her and, you know she she could have so easily just been more of a comic relief character like she could have been ridiculous mm -hmm. and and i do think that zelda rubenstein's performance keeps her from being that it it balances out that like that let me say that humor one of my favorite lines is where she's just like oh i'm gonna go and get carol ann out and the mother's like no <laughs> you you know i'm gonna go just like well you've never done this before well neither have you and then she <laughs> and she pauses for a beat and it's just like you're right you go <laughs> like fine yes yeah absolutely. and diane is absolutely you know what you're doing just as much as i do yeah well and that's the thing and diane is absolutely right in that moment too because it's like this is my daughter she's not going to come to you she doesn't know you and also yeah. this is my baby i need to go get her you know <laughs> but yeah but i but i think i love that about tangina that she's willing to go like she hasn't done this before but she's willing to go do that like that's how committed she is to helping this family too yeah she she has throughout her scenes and she shows up fairly late in the film mm -hmm. um but throughout her scene she has this authority that is also very kind yeah um and but very like authoritative like she's just like here is what you have to do and you have to listen to me you have to pay attention to what i say you can't say no because what i'm trying to do is to save your daughter right and and i i like that that there's that kindness but also that willfulness of just of just being like you know this this is for your daughter i i have more knowledge than you and you need to hear what i'm saying yeah um and not argue with me about it basically so she she balances out that characterization really really well and you do get these moments of humor that don't reduce her in any way it it just makes her kind of more relatable and more like you know she she isn't this like otherworldly just strange character she is very human and very connected and just very much comes off on screen as someone who knows what they're talking about and really needs to be listened to if you're if you're going to survive this basically yes although she was a little too confident about the house being clean <laughs> yes 
yeah that that is what just like you don't you don't still feel the the eruption of the spirit <laughs> world that's gonna <laughs> yeah yeah one of these days i'll tell a story about my haunted house experience if i haven't already but um there's definitely a moment where you think like okay everything's good now everything's fine and then it's not it never so, is yeah mm-hmm. well that's one of the things at the end of this one just like you know what i would not have spent another moment in that house other to other than to like come back and pack it up i would be living in a fucking hotel at that point yeah yeah that's the thing like, it's oh, like kids go to bed go to bed and then we'll wake you up when we're ready to leave just like no i'm gonna sleep in that fucking room fuck you mom <laughs> That's yeah, it's it's interesting because it's like they're so confident that this is over. Obviously, they know they need to to they can't live in that house anymore. They need to get rid of it. But the fact that they're not immediately leaving, like you get her out, you clean up and then you don't even spend that night in that house. You go to grandma's and get Robbie, you know, <laughs> like stay there. Um, yeah, it's really funny in Poltergeist too, listening to the conversations they're trying to have with the insurance company about how to file a claim for their house that disappeared (laughs) i've never seen poltergeist 2 oh you should poltergeist 2 is actually pretty good um three is terrible like don't bother with that but but two is surprisingly a good sequel so i recommend it um and I won't spoil anything about it for you. So anyway, uh, yeah. Any other thoughts on Poltergeist? It's it's classic. I mean, there's so many there's so many lines and images from this from this film. I do. I love the fact that the house just like folds in on itself at the end. Mm-hmm. That it just it's become it is just this center of interdimensional hell or something like that. And it's just finally like everything bursts to the surface and it all and then it just all collapses it's like okay we're out we're mm-hmm. done we're gone and the the final shot is great i love the just pushing the tv out onto yep. <laughs> uh, it, onto whatever the little a uh, hotel uh a motel balcony like i was just like yes yes yeah 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 it's so funny because i do remember the days when you would get we used to call them the snowy channels, you know, and like, um, I do remember TV ending at the end of the night. And I remember like channel three always had the snowy channel, you know, and that was what you had to turn on for the VCR. And so whenever we had to, whenever we we're going to watch something on the VCR, like you had it ready to go so that when you turned it to channel three, you didn't have to be on it too long because you didn't want ghosts coming into your house. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, the eighties were fun. Um, Kids today just don't even understand. So, but yeah, no, there's so many things I love about Poltergeist and um, I, I've, yeah, I, I've kind of do watch it every Halloween now. It's become one of my, one of my regular rotation movies. So I love it so much. It's good. Uh, All right. So the final movie that we're going to talk about is The Others from 2001. And this just just got released on criterion this week and um i'm waiting till next week to buy it because in november the barnes and noble criterion sale is on so of course yeah <laughs> i will buy it on wednesday but anyway but i did watch it um and the others now this is one that um there are major spoilers so if you have not seen the others with nicole kidman um 
and you don't want to be spoiled, I would recommend uh, Mm -hmm. don't listen to this part of the conversation. If you've not seen it and you don't mind being spoiled, then continue listening. Because this is a movie that even when you know what's really happening, it does not it does not ruin the experience of watching it. Um, I actually guessed what was going on pretty early on the first time I saw it. And then when I found out I was right, I was actually just really excited about that because I was just like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I totally figured that out. It it wasn't like Ugh, this movie's so predictable, you know? So, yeah, I, I don't think at all that the twist is not a um, it it enriches the film. Like, it's very difficult, actually, to talk about this film without talking about the twist. It's impossible. Um, so I'm going to give one yeah. final warning. If you do not want to be spoiled on the others, stop listening now and we will see you next week. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is going to be where our conversation uh, wraps up. So. Um, so, yeah, come back next time. But uh For anybody who is ready to continue, let's go on and talk about the others. So go ahead, Lauren. (laughs) Well, (laughs) what were you going to (laughs) say? They're dead. (laughs) um, Yeah, the the twist, like I and actually I I will say this. This was the first time I had watched the others. But whoa, whoa, really? Yeah. Yeah. Like this past week. (laughs) I didn't realize you'd never seen it before. I had never seen it, but I knew about the twist because oh, it had been okay. talked about a great deal beforehand. So like this, this is one of the times where I went into it kind of, I didn't know all of the permutations of it, but I knew like, oh, they're actually dead. Like the, that they're the ghosts. Um, but it was interesting. Nevertheless, like, I think it was a fantastic film. Like I, I think that it did everything really, really well. Um, but so, so I went into this knowing it, but never having seen it. Mm. Um, and one of the things that I think works so well about this film is that it is a ghost story. You just kind of don't realize what kind of ghost story it yeah. is, um, for at least part of the film. And I think it's very clear that something is weird about this house and, the, uh, and about this family and the whole thing with like, you know, the children can't be exposed to light, um, which is a real daylight. condition that exists. Yeah. Um, but just like all all of the things is is just like there's something off and and particularly when the servants show up and um and Mrs. Mills is like some of the things that she says and some of the things that she does like what is happening here exactly? Mm-hmm. There's something else that's going on. Um but it, it is a wonderfully beautiful film about love and about grief and about accepting not knowing everything because it's not being the resolution is not they you know go off to the great beyond or anything like that they're still there they're still ghosts they're still attached to that house it's their house um but it becomes about learning to live with the fact that you're dead (laughs) and that you are a ghost and to to be a part of that and i i really like this whole concept of the others right as being the living that is in some way haunting the dead that is invading the ghost space and frightening them and and i think that when you get that combination with the seance scene where you realize what is going on and the children are you know screaming i'm not dead i'm not dead all of these things there is it's it's amazing because so many haunted house movies have that seance scene 
And in this particular case, you get that seance scene, but it's like you're getting it from the other side. You're getting it from these ghosts who are like, stop it. You're scaring the children, right? You know, you're frightening them. They're angry. They're they're horrified. You know, stop invading their world. And um, but at the same time, it's something that they have to really learn and accept. And particularly Grace has to accept about what happened and what she did and what their reality is. Um, it's it's so well done. It's so gorgeous. It's frightening without being like horrifying. And it's it's just such a, a really just a beautiful film, like overall. Yeah. Yeah. It's this beautiful film that like so many of these movies is about grief and about coming to terms with and, and learning to accept um, some things that have happened in, in the past, in this case, fairly recent past. Uh, we don't know exactly how long it's been, um, but but ultimately it's and again you don't you don't lose a lot other than like a surprise the first time you watch it you don't lose a lot by knowing that really what this movie is about is not a family whose house is um, haunted it's about a mother who has done the most unthinkable thing and has to learn to accept that this is what she's done and has to learn to accept the consequences of that and the Mm -hmm. tragedy of it and, um, and, and come to terms with it and, and then face the new reality of of what their life is like. And um, there's definitely a lot of tragedy in that. But one of the things that I think makes this movie so, so beautiful is that it's really just about accepting it. It's not about, it's not about indicting Grace, Nicole Kidman's mm-hmm. character, who has murdered her children. She's in, she's kind of lost her mind a little bit. They live in, you know, this big house by themselves, very isolated. Her husband went off to war and never came home, died in war. And this is, you know, at the end of World War II, and he never came home. And um and just in her grief, in isolation, in so many things that happened, she ends up murdering her children. And this isn't, wow, she's the worst kind of mother. This is like, it, there's this this real understanding and sympathy for her because of the circumstances that would lead a woman to do something like that. Because then, of course, she also, when she realizes what she did, she also kills herself. And... Mm-hmm. um. And I, I just I feel like it takes such a such a sympathetic approach and handles it so mm-hmm. so well that she never feels like a villain. And it never feels like we're supposed to hate her for what she's done. And I think that there's a lot yeah. of, of care in the way that it's written so that we never do feel like she's this horrible person. We kind of understand her. Yeah, the the harshest thing about her is is her kind of denying things to her children and is like, you know, trying to give these really simple explanations that about life and death and purgatory and all of those things. And and a lot of it is is about her trying to explain things that are inexplicable. And really at the end of the film, like her telling her children, admitting to herself and then telling her children what happened. Mm-hmm. it's not this like how could you it's it's a release at some level it's like 
we can now accept this because we've actually seen the reality. She went crazy. That's what happened. There isn't an explanation, right? She was, you know, caught in the midst of grief, in isolation, um, in having these two small children that, you know, she has to take care of, in her husband vanishing, you know, all of those things. And she went mad. And in her grief, she, she, she basically creates a new life for them in which they're still alive, but it's, it's refusing to look at what actually happened and what she actually did. And they're not, they don't go off anywhere else at the end of all of it. They're still there, mm-hmm. but they can, you get the sense of like, we can all kind of live happily here together with Mrs. Mills and the gardener. And like, we can all sort of be here, but they're going to be ghosts and that's okay. Yeah. Well, and that's exactly what Mrs. Mills says at the end when, because so basically this family is, is moving into this house, which is why it's interesting. Cause she, when we meet Grace and she meets Mrs. Mills and Mr. Tuttle and Lydia, and she's explaining that, Oh yeah, a week ago, the spirit, the, the servants just up and left. And when she's explaining what actually happened at the end, she you, like, cause I kind of assumed, oh, the servants left because their boss died, <laughs> but she's explaining the story. And it's really, that was kind of what pushed her over the edge was that they had, they had abandoned her. And then that was just too much. And that was what pushed her over the edge into what happened. But, um, but uh I, I I love that that these three who've probably been there all along because um, they died of tuberculosis 50 years before and um, they're the ones that are there. They're still kind of stuck in the house and they're able to connect with Grace and the kids and to kind of help them in that transition. Mrs. Mills is never pushy. She never, she doesn't say like, all right, Grace, let's sit down and talk about what happened and why you're here and who we are. It's very mm-hmm. much, she needs to figure this out on her own. She needs to, she needs to come to this understanding. She'll remember. And when she does, we're, we'll be here for her. And that's exactly what happens. And so then this family moves in because they're buying the house and they have a little boy who connects with, with her daughter, Anne. And, um, And, but of course, eventually they're too scared. The family is too scared to stay. So they're leaving. And Mrs. Mills has this line where she's explaining to Grace, the intruders are leaving, but others will come. Sometimes we'll sense them. Other times we won't. And I love that because it really does kind of give this, it leaves you with this sense of, of stretching on into, you know, the decades to come and the centuries. And sometimes Grace is just going to live in peace with her kids and not know anything is up. And other times it's going to be very clear that there there are people in their house and they're happy (laughs) to share that space and and you don't know like sometimes they'll scare those people away sometimes those people won't be scared so easily you know it's just kind of this this beautiful um kind of um explanation i guess or, or kind of a a glimpse of of this idea that that spirits could be all around us all the time. And sometimes we feel them and sometimes we don't, but that doesn't mean they're not there. It doesn't mean we're not here for them, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, it's, it's this whole idea of the, of you have to, you have to live the living and the dead have to coexist. Right. That, you know, you're, they're living with ghosts and the ghosts are living with the living, you know, yeah. that, that they, those, yeah. Like you say, the, those connections exist and, and it is, it is a really interesting idea that is very much 
different from a lot of representations of like, you know, ghosts having to move on to go to the afterlife. It's obvious that there are some ghosts that don't and that never will and that will hold to that space, that house, that piece of land, whatever, possibly forever. And that that can also be okay, right? Mm-hmm. That it, it isn't, there, there's never a sense that like the, the, the problems that Grace and the children are facing is because they're unwilling to face the reality of what has happened to them. Um, not because they're, they're ghosts particularly. Yeah. I even love how there's, there's, you know, there's a moment, you know, somewhere in the middle of the movie where Grace is with the children and, um, talking about the ideas of, of purgatory and hell and what are the four hells and they have that conversation. And then at the end, when they all realize that they are dead and Nicholas, who's just the cutest little boy. He he asks something about, you know, well, what is purgatory then? And Grace has to acknowledge that she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Like everything that she was teaching them, everything she thought she believed, now she's living in this, re- well, da- dead in this reality. Um, and it's nothing like what she expected. So she doesn't have any answers now. Mm-hmm. Well, and and that's part that's her growth too. That's mm-hmm. that's what's going to keep them happy, really, right. and and to to let them continue to live out their existences as it were, exist. Um, yeah. And and there's a wonderful moment I think where the daughter begins dancing in the sunlight, uh, and because there that's that's the thing these kids have been closed off from everything, and now suddenly they they have a degree of freedom. They have a degree of joy they don't have to be you know tied to all of these different rules that their mother has made up in order to to preserve their to preserve like her her delusion essentially mm-hmm. right yeah so it's any other thoughts gorgeous. about the others it's a gorgeous film it's it's just beautifully photographed um it's it's a really beautiful sorrowful ghost story and um and i think i think it's a great combination of kind of traditions of ghost stories and looking at things from a different angle i guess uh and and like i say like coming into it knowing what the twist is doesn't it only enriches the film more that's that's um all of all three of these films actually even if you know everything that happens in them mm-hmm. they're still great films and they there is still a richness to them like Rewatching them is something that you can actually do. And I do think that that's generally what makes a, a great film, a great horror film, et cetera, is you can know everything that happens and still see more in it. And, and it still says something to you, even though, you know, it's not just, oh, you know, they're actually all dead at the end. It's not just that twist. It's like, this is actually meaningful uh, and, and something that we can watch again and again and, and have new experiences with. Yeah. Yep. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, this has been a fun discussion today. I love all three of these films and I hope that all of you who are still listening, um, have two, if you haven't watched them in a while, check them out again. If you haven't, if there's any of these that you haven't seen, I highly recommend, um, watching them. So yeah. Um, but I think that's going to wrap things up now. Program note, we are going to take next weekend off, but we will be back um very soon for november so be on the lookout for that um and yeah in the meantime we would like to to thank everyone for for listening and for supporting the show and we especially want to thank our patrons who help keep things going 
Ali, Brian, Connor, Estefania, Heather, James, Judy, Karen, Cariata, Lauren, Matt, Michelle, Monty, Nanina, Robert, Robert, Steve, Sharon, and Tao. Thank you so much. If you would like to join Patreon and become a, a supporter of the show too, you can go to patreon.com slash citizen day. You can also uh, support us with our Zazzle store, zazzle.com slash citizen name pod and ko-fi, ko-fi.com slash citizen name. We have lots of ways that you can connect with us too. We have our website, citizendamepod.com. There's reviews and some other fun things there, more coming. And you can email us, citizendamepod at gmail.com. Of course, we're on social media too. Uh, sort of Twitter, kind of, I guess. And Instagram at Citizen Dame Pod. And we are on, oh, Blue Sky as well, Citizen Dame Pod over at Blue Sky. And we're on Letterboxd. We are a Letterboxd HQ where Martin Scorsese apparently just joined in as well. So, <laughs> anyway, Letterboxd is a lot of fun. If you're not on Letterboxd, <laughs> you should consider it. They have free accounts, but you can also do paid ones and get more, more stuff. But you can just do a free subscription and it's a lot of fun. And you can follow us over there at Citizen Dame. Lauren, where are you on the socials? I'm on all of the various socials, though. I, I don't think I've been on Twitter in two months now. <laughs> uh, I'm on all the various socials at LH Business. And I am at Karen M. Peterson. So that's going to wrap things up for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Now, hold on to your There's one more thing. A terrible presence is in there with her. So much rage. So much betrayal. I've never sensed anything like it. I don't know what hovers over this house, but it was strong enough to punch a hole into this world and take your daughter away from you. She keeps Caroline very close to it and away from the spectral light. It lies to her. It says things only a child can understand. It has been using her to restrain the others. To her, it simply is another child. To us, it is the beast.